the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one journalist co-founder of the line an online magazine to which i now subscribe matt gurney is here sabrina nanji with queen's park observer another subscribable and john burnside toronto city councillor live in studio i might add nice to see you sir and not subscribable. Okay. I trust, though, I subscribe to your weekly words, so I hope you're going to find a way to wedge your words. Oh, I'm ready. Word. I'm ready. ready? You're yep. ready? Okay. Uh, so, listen, let's talk, first of all, about these pro-Palestinian protests in the streets of Toronto. Matt Gurney, I'll start with you on this one. I don't doubt uh, the, the pure hearts of many people who sympathize with the plight of Gaza, but the problem is you end up with overt anti-Semites, and then you even have Hamas flags. It reminds me of, I think we were talking about this just last week, guys. Um, If you are someone who has spent the last two years thinking that the convoy in Ottawa was defined by the Confederate flag we saw on the first day, all I'm asking for here is a little bit of intellectual consistency. We need to decide whether or not a protest can exist in spite of its fringe elements or whether or not the fringe elements define the protest. And this is something we have not figured out yet. Or, more to the point, the protest that we like can exist even if there are fringe elements and the protests we don't like are completely defined and condemned by the fringe elements here look nothing new about hypocrisy in politics but can we at least call it that yes sabrina and angie there seems to be this necessity in some circles for there to be a uniformity i was looking at twitter on the weekend and somebody posted a picture of london england where it's thought about a hundred thousand people were in the streets and they said look at this a hundred thousand jew haters and i thought um not a hundred thousand Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head here. It's the fringe that kind of becomes the loudest parts of these protests. Uh, But I also think it's a fine line. Like, um, you know, obviously these protesters, you know, demanding boycotts of Jewish owned cafes, I think is, you know, completely not right and and should not happen. But then you mentioned, you know, overseas. And when we look to Europe, like France is banning these rallies where we like to think that, you know, the right to protest, the right to free speech exists here. And so I think it's a fine line, but, you know, Matt's right. Like these protests are now becoming defined by what the fringe is saying like it's fine to hold a vigil or a rally for palestine and but to kind of you know do what we've been seeing those calls for the boycott i think goes really too far and i don't know if we really want to start policing our protests because that can be a slippery slope and john burnside lest anybody try to argue that uh, anti-semitism isn't what it used to be you just have to look to that runway at an airport in russia where a plane full of uh, jewish exiles from israel touches down and everybody tries to raid it yeah and i didn't even uh, didn't uh, know about that but um you know one of the problems with these uh, these protests and convoy or otherwise is that the feel that they have and the organizers of these uh, specific protests bring a certain feel and energy and that encourages other people to act in the same way i think the easy thing to say is we're canadians first 
and we have to remember that. And as opposed to I'm a, you know, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm something else, and you're my enemy. No, we're Canadians first, and then it's fine to protest, fine to, to um, uh, voice your uh, non-racist opinions. But I think everyone loses sight of why we're actually in Canada. Let me stick with you for a second. You used to be on the board at the uh, TTC, kind of a messy affair on Friday. Not widely reported, but I've certainly I was following in real time. But apparently they tried to fire the boss and they did not succeed on Friday, which is, I can't imagine what it's like at work today. Yeah, it was like the l- night of the long knives. Well, the uh, the, the uh, chair, Jamal Myers, uh, called a special meeting and he's now claiming, well, he has that right. Sure he did, but just because you have the right doesn't mean it's good judgment. Called this special meeting about a complaint. We don't know if it's a recent complaint or otherwise. Two board members couldn't make it, but he still wants to go ahead, which I think when you're talking about the future of your CEO is problematic in itself, unless it's some dire emergency. So there's a lot of backpedaling going on right now. Uh, as I said, when I when I uh, moved from that position or, or was moved, I'm so happy I'm not there. I'm just not sure he's the guy. Uh, I think what he's done is really destabilized the organization as well as the civil service. I actually had a call from a senior civil servant yesterday about how destabilized the civil service feels. And I think even though it wasn't widely reported, the reverberations are quite deep. Yeah, Sabrina and Angie, the mayor denies that she has any connection to this, but you have to think it reaches into her office. And I don't know if it's a pro-labor thing or what, but it was messy. And now here Rick Leary is, somebody tried to take him out and he's still on the job. Yeah, um, I mean, what I'm hearing from my sources is that there is no love lost between Olivia Chow and Rick Leary and that, you know, regardless of these reports about what happened on Friday, I mean, she she doesn't like him. And from what I'm hearing, you know, she she wanted him out. Um, of course, you know, no one's no one's going on the record to say that. But these are sort of what I'm, uh, the whispers are around, uh, you know, City Hall that I'm hearing. But again, like if Leary were to go, he's like the fourth TTC head who's been like ousted in this type of way um, and it's a tough job so I I'm thinking you know whoever's going to replace him if that if that comes to pass uh, is going to really have their work cut out for them for a lot of reasons. Well in Matt Gurney there seems to be a bit of a palace coup aspect to this because apparently uh, a former city councillor used to chair the TTC Adam Giambroni is back that was actually the first thing i saw and john you said you were watching this in real time on friday i was behind the curve but i had noticed adam and i have interviewed adam over the years he's been very helpful to me talking about transit related matters so i i I do follow him on social media and i saw that he was coming back to toronto and i didn't think anything about that excuse you know i don't know he had, had to come back to toronto for some reason like it didn't register with me until i saw that there was as you've said a palace coup underway And then I went, oh, okay. The thing that surprised me, though, is that, I mean, we've all heard the the saying, right? If you're going to take a shot at the king, you better not miss. This seems to have been a completely half-assed shot at the king here. I mean, how do you have two of the um, citizen representatives on the board not there and still lose the vote? Maybe this is like a rookie palace coup, like they don't really know what they're doing yet. But this is embarrassing. If this really was an attempt to take the guy out, and you've got the, the new guy on a plane coming back to Toronto, and you still can't get your act together? What are you doing? 
So let me stick with you, Matt, on this one. The carbon tax, and now that they've started to hive off aspects of it, the speculation is it's going to die entirely. I have to think that even if Justin Trudeau were to roll back the carbon tax, it wouldn't be good enough because the liberals would hate him for doing it and conservatives would just enjoy the whole show. You know, I declared in writing uh, almost a year and a half ago that I thought the Liberals were done. And it wasn't based on any particular incident or scandal or crisis du jour. But in June of last year, I thought to myself, and I put it in writing, these guys are adrift. They don't understand what's happening to them. And there is a reek of either late-stage Stephen Harper or very late-stage Kathleen Wynne hovering over Justin Trudeau. And once that sets in, it's really hard to get rid of. And for the last year and a half, I've, I've stuck by that. Like, I have believed it. And God knows nothing I have seen during that time has given me any pause. But nothing has also made me feel like I was a genius as much as it was Justin Trudeau opening the door. Just a crack but opening it into what really would have been one of his two, maybe three signature policy positions here. The new position that he has taken makes no sense. It is not going to be politically sustainable. He has taken a position right now that Atlantic Canadians get a break. That is not going to work, first of all, because it doesn't apply to all Atlantic Canadians. If you use propane in Atlantic Canada, you're not getting a break on your carbon tax, but your neighbor who's using fuel oil is, that's not going to work. Even if that works, you've then got the rest of the country going, well, hey, what about us? What about our fossil fuels? Why are we giving a break on the most carbon-intensive fossil fuel, but not giving a break on the people who've already transitioned over to cleaner fossil fuels? That doesn't make sense. And then, John, you've already said it if you if all you want is a coke you will accept no substitute here if you hate the carbon tax you can vote for the conservatives who promise to kill it forever for everyone or the guy who wants to defer it slightly for some people i really don't know what the hell they're doing here except probably losing yeah john burnside the whole idea of a carbon tax is to create a penalty so that people change their behavior and now what justin trudeau has done is admitted now okay well, the penalty won't apply to the people who need to vote for me <laughs> well uh, you know this is the jumping the shark moment. So there is. this is the definable moment that Matt was uh, maybe not able to define in terms of the timeline. Um, you can't go around for eight years saying that uh, climate change is the most important issue and, it, and it's, it's about our kids' future and it, it supersedes everything else, even your economic well-being, and, and then all of a sudden say, well, you know, really what he's saying is his electoral success supersedes climate change. Uh, Sabrina, thoughts? I mean, it's all politics, right? I think that this change on home heating oil specifically is it has to, a big thing to do with you know slipping support in on the East Coast, which is where like home eating, heating oil is is most popular. And so, I, I think one thing that maybe hasn't been mentioned yet is I wonder what you know rolling this back entirely is going to mean for support among young people who still uh, rank climate change as one of their most important issues. And as we know, you know the the liberals have. Uh, you know, relied on young people in particular uh, to to make or break them in government. So I, I think it's likely that we could see this thing go away the closer we get to an election. But yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Somebody advertised online for a shared bed, not a shared bedroom, but a shared bed, a queen size bed right here in Toronto for $900 a month. Uh, John Burnside, do you think we're being trolled? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I saw it myself, and uh, I actually have no uh, no insight into that one. Okay. Matt Gurney, I mean, anything goes when it comes to a tight economy. Maybe some people are even sharing beds. Hey, man, I'm not in a place to morally judge anyone. Uh, whatever you want to pay or whatever you want to charge for access to your bed is no business of mine. Sabrina, I, you know, if it were hot bedding, which is this thing where somebody sleeps in the day and somebody sleeps in the night, maybe it would make sense, although it would be vaguely nauseating. <laughs> I mean, why not just switch out the queen bed for two twin beds? But the fact that we're even having this conversation is just, you know, so depressing. It's the state of our rental system in this city and uh, things need to change, I think. John Burnside, did I not get to the relevant story to allow you to use your word of the week? You did, and I, I choked. Uh, it was the, f- <laughs> <laughs> the first story. And the word is obviate, to anticipate and prevent something or make it unnecessary. Jamal Myers, the chair of the TTC, could have obviated uh, this whole story on a Monday morning had he followed the proper procedures and done the right thing. Well, don't crash into him on the stairs because he's on round two. And so far, he has not signaled that he's not going to be here. Oh, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be fascinating. He's the man of the hour. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.